0: regeneration podcast let's dive right into it michael um the end of the regeneration podcast happy new year's michael and i but i'm going to take the blame right away so i'm giving away the end of the story we spent the last 45 minutes trying to connect over zoom we could see each other but uh neither of us could hear anything the other said um i had r- recalled going when i signed on because i connected a new microphone that should sound better michael um which is a side effect. Since I'd connected a new microphone, I signed on originally and went through the test microphone, test audio things, and they were fine. So I, when we couldn't connect, I thought it was all on Michael's side. So 35 of the 45 minutes, I think, were you trying to find things on your end and ended up being on my end that I just hit some whacked off button on Zoom. I don't know. Sorry about that, Frank.
1: Two words, but my people. Tech savvy. That's yeah. us. <laughs>
0: And during the middle time at the beginning cuz I wasn't feeling guilty at all. I just thought you were sure I thought you were sure it was on your side. So I was I was just enjoying my coffee, sitting around looking at the light. And then I thought uh, it was too. Yeah.
1: yeah, I thought it was too.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and then I started thinking two things came to me cuz I was just thinking. One is if somebody saw us like our kids, would they know right away it was an old person thing? Or would they have given us the benefit of the doubt if like one of your daughters or my son came in? And heard me saying I was just playing with Zoom. Michael and I can't connect. I'm sure it's nothing. Would they have recognized instantaneously that we were of that generation?
1: Oh, they would probably would have assumed.
0: Yeah, yeah, that this was something they could figure out in a second.
1: Yeah, my 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 sister in law. My sister in law is.
0: Uh, <clears throat> I'm still feeling so uh, bad about 70, that.
1: 43, 42, 43. Oh. And I mean, her. She's always in mean, her deflect. Is to oh boomers, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't that think explains you, half I don't the think, culture. I'm not sure I'm a boomer, and I don't think you qualify as a boomer.
0: No, it was just it was just one two steps removed from the tech savvy of the people two generations younger than us. I guess that's I'm just putting it in that one that yeah. um, you know, well, they their brains have been more formed by learning new apps, learning new things that they pick up on it, or these these <laughs> non-player role games that are so I walk into these stores that have all these games you know, based on Dune or this or that, you know, yeah, you yeah. build a universe and you do this. It takes me so long to begin to enter into those worlds when I give it a go. But any young person can enter into those worlds. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm comparing that to something like what we just experienced. That was all my fault.
1: Yeah. So uh, we don't want your abuse in the comments, OK?
0: <laughs> and they didn't have to sit through it like you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So ladies and gentlemen, thanks. I hope everybody, including my friend Michael, had a great Christmas epiphany and New Year's and everything. And um, Michael, we, uh, I'll tell you one anecdote. Uh, We, as uh, probably a lot of our listeners have picked up on, we don't, I don't think we've recorded in about a month or so. And, um, and I, maybe about a week and a half ago, I was saying that I had to talk to you and she said about what? And I said, oh, we got to put together a show. And then when she, when it entered her mind that we hadn't talked in like two and a half weeks, she thought we were like, she thought we were in the middle of a disagreement, you know? (laughs) And she goes, you really didn't talk about the fact that you didn't have a show. I go, no, no, no. We didn't have one in one week. And then I think we're both letting it coast for a little bit. But she was worried that we had had like a falling out somewhere. No. Yeah. It's funny.
1: But we, but we were actually, we were supposed to interview somebody this morning.
0: Yeah, Larry Chapp was supposed to join us. And then he did the right thing. Family comes first. He had an opportunity. I forget how old this daughter of his might be to have lunch with his daughter. And I think you and I both can recognize the uh, the infinite thrill of having lunch with a grown-up daughter. Just being able yeah, to talk. And
1: plus, he's, Larry's in Pennsylvania. And I think his daughter's in New Jersey.
0: Something like that. Yeah. So I think he was making quite a drive. And Larry, I uh, can't wait to come back. I think he, you know, Michael, you texted me and just said, we should have Larry on about the uh, – I forget how about, you phrased it.
1: About the shit show that is the Catholic Church.
0: <laughs> okay. So I uh, called Larry, and he's uh, he's nothing if not willing to kind of join a fray.
1: Yeah. You know, we might, we might want to talk. I don't know if you would. You would probably come on. Chris Altieri. Is that his, how yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, I like him. got to talk to.
0: I differ from them on points here and there and everywhere, but they're both uh, genteel. Genteel. Chris is really in, intelligent.
1: Chris is in Hard. Rome,
0: right? Yeah, that's right. Huh. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. which is interesting to have uh, someone with a little closer perspective than we're 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 so far away, just yeah, really, and you know, geographically.
0: Yeah, I was listening to a great series huh. on Benedict from a friend of uh, I've met, the Opus Dei priest associated with Harvard, Father Jeff Langen. And uh, it's actually a friend that Guido met over in Rome. And it's a great story, a great story. But it was on Benedict's reign. And I forget why I started talking about this, but it was just so fascinating. Again, no, the what Langdon had, and it was at a genius, genius rate. You know, when we quote Guido, Michael, in saying that conspiracy theorists' theory is too important to be left to conspiracy theorists, Father Langdon has the perfect blend of what people would call conspiracy theory which is just, if you hate conspiracy theory, I can remind you, all it means is that you've never once thought that people ever met in a room and decided on a bad thing that influenced other people. You know, that outside of trying, as soon as people venture into that, the left, the remaining philosophy of shit happens, you know? So anything that anybody with willpower did something bad or looked the other way, is deemed conspiracy theory how is anybody going to tell the truth about anything now can people go down rabbit holes you know my son tell me dad don't don't ever watch the videos that the moon landing didn't happen or you're going to lose your mind so i just don't i don't know well i don't know
1: if you just recently speaking of current events right um the epstein island thing right
0: Say, so how did it unfold in the last two weeks? We knew this list was coming out, it was like midnight, and I had to use the bathroom, so I and checked it keeps my phone
1: coming out. I mean, they, I think they have, is supposed to be another dump, but the thing is, I mean, I has I,
0: anything I... been relevant at all? I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, what? So I haven't followed it. Oh, there's I mean, I'm interested, bad I mean, stuff of, happened there. A lot of it we already knew, like, uh, like okay. Clinton goes there 27 times. Jeez. oh, it's that many times, yeah, right? and uh was the other one well prince andrew prince andrew that's right that's right that poor guy yeah there is i mean but 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 here's the thing right and i saw this with a interview remind me to ask you about prince andrew too go ahead i can't remember who he was talking to Uh and he was talking about alex jones right talk about speaking of conspiracy theorists yeah alex jones told joe rogan about this whole thing with epstein island 20 years ago yeah, I guess I'd heard obviously. that there was something. Yeah. People uh, thought it was a conspiracy, and obviously it's not. Yeah, right. Obviously it's not. You know, and I do think you know it seems very obvious to me. I mean, it could be far worse, but it, at the very least, I think it is a blackmail operation where yeah. they got goods and all those politicians and actors and musicians and whomever. Yeah. Right? And you and now you 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 do what I say. Right. right? That's where the thing.
0: Let me, like, let me make the one segue I was thinking about. And I'm thinking of Mark Vernon specifically. We talked to this scholar, Mark Vernon on Blake. It was a really excellent interview. And there was going to be a coronation of the new king. You and I have talked about that, Michael. You just mentioned Prince Andrew. And I remember pushing back on Mark Vernon in a little bit. I'm like, you yeah. know, why are you getting so Twitter-pated with like this royalty thing when we're talking about William effing Blake, right? I know, is it? The <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And now that reminds me of something else. Our friend Guido Peperato. was arrested
1: this- for sedition, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, our friend Guido Peperato, several times, we've had him on maybe four or five times, he'll go on these things where he knows within himself, first and foremost, he wants to root out that last little bit of violence, or what he would say, prepotence, that mm-hmm. last little bit, that last cell, the last nucleus, the last cell on violence, this notion of we need to put a boot on somebody's head ever. Or, you know, and so, and then it begins with him. And that's how he talked about the movie Oppenheimer and the nuclear bomb and everything. We know that passion. Well, Michael, I've been reading Walt Whitman this week. Mm -hmm. And again, this has to do with royalty and our lingering fondness for it. If I'm reading Walt Whitman right, and these words were so poetic and evocative for him feudal and democracy. But at one point, he, who seemed very, very well read in Shakespeare, and you love Shakespeare is telling us as Americans, because liberty was his theme, bottom up. He was Mm -hmm. a tribune of the future. Yeah. But he said, it's like Shakespeare. I get it, folks. I can quote it chapter and verse. But read between the lines. The thing is still there, that it's somewhat acceptable for somebody to put a boot on their others, slavery, putting people down, what he called the feudal, that Walt Whitman had to say, with fond regrets, farewell. Farewell. You know, and I don't know if anybody's said that before, but if I'm reading Whitman correctly, what do you think about that? That's what Guido's saying. He's saying, saying he's saying, throw the whole canon out. Yeah,
1: right. that's and a
0: shocking I don't thing. I'm not taking a side in, yet. Yeah,
1: I don't think that's in Shakespeare at all. The feudal. No. In fact, how about, we-
0: how about uh, Prospero from uh, The Tempest? It's that kind of prickly God figure. If you don't please him, you're going to get punished. Am I right? I'm not a Shakespeare
1: scholar. But, but but I think the Tempest is an example. He's not, I, I don't think Shakespeare, this is the thing. This is what uh, John Keats called negative capability. I mean, we try to, you try to pin down Shakespeare's opinions by what his characters do. Yeah. And you're making them a giant mistake, especially with authority figures. I mean, the problem with Prospero, for instance. Mm-hmm i mean even he he it's kind of a character a psychological study of this kind of person this renaissance Magus, right uh-huh. who does have can have power and what do you do when you have power and everyone in yeah. Shakespeare's plays about kings is it precisely about that yeah right, right, right. Um, and i think with the exception of henry the which is, you know, Harold Bloom hated Henry V. I'm so
0: glad you followed me on this question, by the way. I didn't prepare you for this question. It was pretty heavy, yeah. and you're running with yeah, like it like a genius. Forever, so. Right, right,
1: right. But Henry V, which Harold Bloom hated mm-hmm. because he thought it was just a, a piece of jingoistic propaganda. Which I like propaganda Harold
0: Bloom, is, yeah. Which he, is why he, yeah when, he likes uh, disagreement,
1: yeah. Well, Which is why when uh, Laurence Olivier did uh, his version of Henry V, it was war propaganda World War II. Sure. Right. I mean, a whole that whole, there's a scene in Olivier's uh, film where when uh, Henry is talking to Catherine, talking about how he will not part with a bit of France, right? Well, that's because at the time that it was filmed, France was under occupation by the Nazis. I follow. Right. So that was. You know, we're not going to, it was the subtext. We're not going to, we're not going to abandon you, friends.
0: So you could say contextualized, even these accusations made against Shakespeare in that regard can be kind of debunked. You don't buy them
1: because also in Shakespeare, I mean, it was like I said, with the exception of Henry V, which, I mean, the other part of it is that the brother had to make a living. I mean, he was not, was. this was before the romantic notion of the poet or author as this outsider called, you know, he was gotcha. not a. But he was a great psychologist. And if you look at all the other uh, plays about kings, the last thing you want to be is a king in a Shakespeare play, which is why I started with my students. Because it's always fucked up. Yeah, um, Like with Richard <laughs> III, right? Yeah. Now is the winter of our discontent. Right? Um, but all of the kings, they're all messed up people. And that's exactly what Shakespeare's trying to show So,
0: so, so two things. This is great. Two things. What is... Next time we have Guido on, which should be soon, um, next time we have Mon, let's visit this, you guys, because I don't think you know he's not an acrimonious guy, you know. No. But so, two things that would be a fun conversation for our listeners, and the other one would be not to say we've missed the larger point because Shakespeare is such a giant among giants, but what about maybe the smaller point? We'll say that, like, if you can find the feudal, you know, and what do we mean by put it behind us? And we'd have to ask Guido. What do you mean, Greedo, by putting it behind us? You know, do right. you just burn it? No, 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 no. But what does it mean to put it behind us? But I'm, but I think, as an individual, I'm super intrigued by this right now because it has huge implications for
1: the Catholic Church. Huge, well, huge. What I, think, but I, and I also think, um, just as speaking in terms of great literature, and Shakespeare certainly is at the top of the pile along with William Blake. Um, and I think what's important about both Blake and Shakespeare is their incredible psychologists absolutely and in fact I, I don't know if you caught this but recently i was on with our our, our friends at grail country
0: no fun what are you guys you know, talking about
1: Yo, nate and sherry we talked about yeah
0: yeah great we, people
1: we talked about what Jerusalem. did you talk about okay gotcha the epic not could the epic. all of
0: you go in the weeds with that i couldn't oh yeah okay i can't
1: because what happened and we were i know we,
0: the tone i know the flavor i've read it but i can't get in the weeds
1: well because what happened is uh Few weeks ago because i'm next a week from today i'm giving a lecture a keynote address at a kind of a private conference in hillsdale michigan super cool and it's mostly hillsdale people and and the and actually the, the people hosting it are uh andrew and katherine kuyper who are in both in the last jesus imagination and andrew's been in quite a few so
0: they're the host
1: tell me more about the vision the and a, in the theme and andrew's been talking about this for years they have been over here a whole bunch of times because okay. far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theme is magic in fact now you've been I- writing on
0: magic oh no wonder see i've got a, i've put off reading your blogs i want to read them all together but there seems to be a lot about magically well that's
1: why i started yeah uh, not, i know, yeah. I, mean, I have to get my head together about this and maybe i'll just write some sub stacks while i'm yeah. teasing this out smart and so and so, the thing I'm right. What I'm doing, I don't know what everybody else is doing. From what I can see, it they're more, maybe more skew academic, which is okay. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Though, no, it's okay. I mean, I know,
0: but in the whole scheme of things, I'm
1: outside okay. of academia now. I
0: know, but in the whole scheme of things, we need less academia of that type in general. the well, point of like near exclusion. But, but a That's part that. of the feudal. Let's let's associate that with the feudal right then and there, right? Yeah, but I
1: know a lot about boom. That.
0: If it's feudal, yeah. send it. Go. Yeah.
1: yeah. anyway, so yeah, so um so what started is i started with that kind of i wouldn't call it research but kind of getting my head together with thinking about uh what i've been writing a lot about in the last year too romanticism and so the 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 part of magic and romanticism and the imagination in romanticism right if you're going to talk about that you got to go right to william blake right go to blake Coleridge, right Mm -hmm. um or in Novalis. I mean, Novalis, you know he he, he was intent, he, he thoroughly believed that what we needed was you know, there needed to be an, a magical element to Christian religion right right um and and that's the thing. I mean that's how it happens when we think about the Ignatian exercises, right? It's all takes place in the imagination. It's building the pictures, right? which is what right. Why, right, right. In a, way, in a way, you could say the Ignatian exercises are actually exercises in magic, mm-hmm. right? Um, white magic, but on the other hand, you can... I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. You're making a good point, too. right? And if you read all the texts in about magic, going back to the classical era, the neo- Neoplatonists, like you know, Iamblichus, you read through uh, the Renaissance, not the, through the Renaissance, for sure, Middle Ages, Renaissance, the Romantic period, you know, and then... You get to what's called the occult revival, which started in the 19th century with especially Eliphas Levi, you know who that is. Yeah, I, I,
0: very well, very well.
1: Starts with him, and then of course it moves into you know Rudolf Steiner, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Blavatsky, the whole bit, right? Or Aleister Crowley's. You're gonna, you can't, even though he's Kind of a despicable person, you get you gotta, gotta mention them. But
0: absolutely
1: the one Charles thing Charles Williams, Charles Williams. One thing well, Charles Williams, yeah, all those golden knot guys. Yep. But what happens the way the magic works, because it's not like we you see in the movies, the way magic works starting from the classical era all the way through is through two things, through images and words. Mm-hmm. Which and I think you really saw this over the last four years with uh propaganda is promulgated through images and words or you can say 100%. Slogan, right? yeah oh it's how it's edward bernays edward bernays is doing magic mm-hmm. right where this is all well, really excellent by the way it's great continue well this i mean I, yeah, and, right. and this is what you see and it's done through the image and you see mm-hmm. images that are repeated and repeated and repeated they work like magical spells and mm-hmm. and, it, and it's a kind of intoxication and the interesting thing is with magic and this is you find this in all of the all all across the the spectrum of writings on this, but especially you see it in Levy, where he okay. talks about the particular subjects upon whom magic will work, are people you could say of a nervous disposition, or with a mm-hmm. weak etheric body, or or are somehow nervous or whatever, or depressed. Mm-hmm. It's like just like uh,
0: hypnosis, right? There's certain there's certain personalities hypnosis just does yes. not work on, yes, right?
1: so And there's there's a lot that it does, yeah. and and the thing is, and this is what I think is in in a way so bi- diabolically genius about what happened over the last four years in is when you and I've seen this with college students, one of my own kids, um, myself. Mm-hmm. So with all these bizarre things that are inflicted upon the populations across the West. And not across the south, right? not in Africa, right? Mm-hmm, right. Very true in Africa, but it's certainly across the West, is through lockdowns and other kinds of things, which cause depression and anxiety, and uncertainty. Uh, I see what you're saying. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is whether, and I, I believe it was intentional, but mm-hmm. even if it wasn't intentional, it works. A, it works like a mass a magical ceremony right and yeah. then so you got him locked down you got him nervous you got him worried you got him... who was
0: the big scholar of mass psychosis during the covid years you know it's the scandinavian and kind of dutch guy yeah uh, uh what was it
1: yeah used merlu right
0: okay no it's not the name i'm thinking of uh, it'll it'll come to me but okay go ahead continue yeah
1: but he's he was dutch but yeah um yeah but you and you but the thing is and then it's followed then the the, that's the one that's the one one two that's the one of the one two punch and the punch is the bombardment of magical slogans and images right and then that's it right
0: no it's wild it's wild but you're gonna you were even gonna put that in the larger context of uh This kind of so you're 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 portraying a a stream kind of a liberatory stream that kind of sees this throughout history, but you know to go back to what I think I'm picking up on our friend Preparada and Walt Whitman and some others, is almost this like where we find it to put down the feudal, you know. So even if Shakespeare again, like say Shakespeare is the exception that proves the rule, Um, you know. Let's say Guido wants to find some oppression in Shakespeare or the allowance of some oppression, the allowance that putting your boot on another person's face for 20 minutes and provided it's not too hard is okay. You know, it's kind of like what they do with usury. Um, That's why he's into perishable currency, you know, and he's got a temperament, but you are putting this, you know, very important sequence about magic in the context of like that, you know, either a hard break with feudalism and a look to the future. That's more Ivan Illich in one sense. Uh, But that's a very complex subject, but go ahead.
1: Well, the other thing, and I think the other thing, well, first of all, um, i think well if we really want to talk about shakespeare i mean the, the take home in the tempest uh-huh. is that at the by the end of the play prospero has forgiven everybody and released ariel yeah right and that's and he's forg- and he's forgiven these these jerks who who put him in exile in the first place right yeah. mm-hmm. right so he forgives out even they plotted his murder he still forgives them right so that's that's kind the, of the uh, thing about the Tempest.
0: In this great it does, Gerald it does Herd- not happen. Ahead,
1: in, it does not happen in the in the history plays. But right. it does happen in Shakespeare's what they're called the romances. And The Tempest is one, the Winter's Tale, um, pericles Uh because these the romances that Shakespeare wrote, which were toward the end of his career, which are more like they called romances, but we would call them fantasy, right? Are uh they're all about reunification of the family and forgiveness, mm-hmm. and 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 you could say original sin because what happens is people do really horrible things out of their humanity, right. like Winter's Tale. The king is insanely jealous of his wife and thinks she's fooling around. She's not, but but it's his problem. And then you know all this trouble starts. And and but so I'm still
0: missing. What's the quintessential connection between your disquisition on magic and Kind of this, what I'm calling a hard stop between feudalism and democracy, kind of writ large, you know, these very evocative terms.
1: But if it's important, and also in okay. like Jerusalem, the key of that text is forgiveness.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: That's because he is actually, personally, he's dealing with, actually, after he had been put on trial for sed- sedition. So right? you're
0: you're not contrasting feudalism with democracy. It's almost a more poetic contrast. No, feudalism but, but with well, forgiveness, forgiveness.
1: Because yeah. you know this, uh, uh, our boy Nikolai Khrzhyayev, right? I know that right? boy, he was yeah. looking. He, he was looking toward the new Middle Ages. Uh huh. That's what he called it, right? That's what he thought that was going to save. Right. Culture. We can stay on this
0: subject for a while. Right, rate, right, right, right. Give people a sense for what he was saying. And what? What? I,
1: well. It's it's certainly uh, an enchanted, to a degree, kind of mindset, but it's also it has much more in common with the things Guido likes, like distributism and localism, right? Which yeah. is, I mean, kind of like the good things about the Middle Ages, without, without the boot, right? Yeah.
0: See, Guido, I guess I want to I want to find kind of a, a octagonal or orthogonal way of describing the question, but Guido would, yeah. he would um he would love he would love kind of anarchism and he would love so a a question associated with anarchism is let's say you look at a group of people where some of the you know what chesterton loved and he said we're always going to need it as humans in small degree and it's tied to feudalism is like flumery and puffery you know so he'd say even if we kind of got the gospel down to basics and it was jesus breaking bread it doesn't hurt anybody folks to have a little costumery or something i'm totally cool with that i'm totally cool with that that being said I think some people are really put off to the anarchist implications. One is it's a threat to the powerful, but the, um, the anarchist implications of the gospel, because if you just imagine everybody but kind of being equal, free, um, Howies wants to say, you know, yes, forgiveness, but the one, the one unique theme in the gospels, let's say there's a three, is the equality of all souls, the equality of all souls. So if, if I told you the world of the future Maybe in contrast to Burjeev's new middle ages, maybe not so much. But when people think of the equality of all souls, it's a big honor to them. You know, and so but as we've gotten close to the equality, think of the good elements of the 60s and you, you can't trust it until you've seen it. You can have people who kind of look the same, but there's real personalities. Right. A lot of people are going through life now without a real conversation with anybody, right, where you're transformed in a conversation because we interface with people all the time. You know, or the falling in love experience where somebody's reality is as real to you as it is real to them. It's not happening that much. People can, there can be three computers going by. And I think our the hinge of our conversation could be what does the new Middle Ages look like? What is the next eon? What does the age of Aquarius look like? Is it in the uh, book of Revelation think, or no? Yeah. Well, I think,
1: no, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to look into a crystal ball. Yeah. But I actually, speaking of Guido, I don't know if you caught this recently. Yeah. But now even the archons, you know the bad guys, are yeah. talking about perishable currency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That? Well,
0: they talk about. Here's what they talk, well, about. They call they, it negative, talk about: negative negative interest, interest rates, rates for yeah, you and yeah. for
1: me, but yeah. not for them, right?
0: Yeah, because it's going to be digital numbers they control. The future yeah. is digital numbers we control. Which
1: yeah. is yeah, I'm sure they. They're watching. talking
0: about negative interest rates. It's just to pump non their money around. Those of us who have a little bit left we'll circulate it so they can hold all their money. Still the hoarders. Yeah. Negative interest.
1: Currency is to get a pair. So so Bill Gates has to spend his, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good God.
0: We got to have new polity on our podcast sometime. That's coming up a lot.
1: Yeah. These are guys
0: really good thinkers from, you know, associated with Steubenville. I got to meet them. Haven't ruled out going to their conference in March or May, um, with a friend, uh, a recent new friend I've met through my work with the church. And, um, I forgot why I was mentioning that new polity. Oh, perishable currency and so forth. The um there's perishable currency can work with anarchy. It can't work with the pseudo-feudalisms. It's one of the things with new polity, I think. It can't right. work with the pseudo hierarchies, the the adoration of hierarchy that's still there. Right. I don't think it, it can.
1: An interesting speaking of new polity. Um mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to watch, watch it. Yet. Bonnie just these
0: guys are really smart and really funny.
1: Bonnie just shared it with me yesterday. It's uh I can't even know the guy's name. I only look it up on my phone. Um, what's her name? Naomi Wolf just interviewed yeah. on her podcast. She's
0: fearless, but I don't know what she's thinking half. Th- it's not half the time. Name. I don't follow her closely enough. That's
1: a gutsy dame right there, Mike. Yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, I don't know where it is. Well, anyway, I'm to have to find it, but the deal is is she interviewed somebody recently on uh a parallel economy
0: okay i heard her she had a recent spam with alex to... Berenson. okay it was interesting in
1: yeah, fact yeah. there uh uh maybe around thanksgiving or so mm-hmm. there was uh one of those twitter/x slash X spaces where people talk about stuff sure and i was bought I don't know what the hell I was doing. It's so like, a, is I it a I
0: sub-thread was, to Twitter? I actually don't know what you're talking about. Was, is it kind of a sub-thread? Twitter has
1: like this thing where it's called a space where it's a like no this big conversation where thousands of people can join in. So and, it's
0: kind of like a Reddit thread hanging out there in Twitter world. Okay, it's, gotcha.
1: it's in real time with voices and not with uh, yeah, yeah. piping. Oh, um,
0: I see. I'm sorry. Wow, I didn't know. Voices. And is
1: this one, hmm. had to be back in November, where, uh, before Thanksgiving, when uh people like neil oliver yeah and i can't remember who else was on this he was on it for sure but so they funny. were also talking about a parallel economy
0: but what but, what does it look like for
1: them well that's the thing and, and there was another one i jumped on which was not with him and i i said and i i kind of i think i pissed people off but i said yeah you get people talk about this all the time but what are we gonna do <laughs> that's your theme, but there's so many there's so many
0: visions of what it looks like. So you know that's why I went to Italy and hung out with Guido and his anarchist friends last summer at some weird monastery. So fun. I mean, it was uh, the fall before last fall. But you had these guys. So if people want to follow somebody on text, like Richard Verner, uh, Werner, W E R N E R, he was kind of the lead dog in Guido, and these guys were brilliant. But some of the guys who participated, they launched a local currency in 2008. So it seems important you have to grab. You have to grab an economic downturn. It's when in an economic downturn, there's money, but they're going to hold it, right? Because there's there's no returns on interest. It's, it has everything to do about usury. Story about usury to follow, it'll blow your mind, blow your mind. Um, but the, uh, so it, yeah, it'll be fun to talk to people. But I think just like negative interest rates, they've been talked about before. And I wrote to Greedo, this was like six years ago. I'm like, dude, dude, like they have come up with it. And uh-huh. uh, I forget exactly what he wrote, you know. I'd have to get into that mindset when I'm there, like at the conference. I could follow all the heady stuff, um, but well, so yeah, these these guys had started the local currency. Now it's not perishable, and you can use it in any in any store in Italy, I guess, or a lot of them. It's called the sardex. Yeah, and other people were talking about the conditions under which you could flow to local currency and things yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, and I like meaning as I mean. I mean at the very least. It's I'm really glad to see people public in public talking about this. That's not just, you know, so is
0: your gut feeling us, is, oh no. Those so are okay, both yeah. On the you,
1: fringe, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So the negative interest rates could be from the bad guys, but you're saying Naomi Wolf and her friends are like well, I was talking about, about important. We were things. talking
1: about a parallel right. economy. Yeah, okay. And, and as we both know, I think the Amish are really good at working a kind of parallel economy yeah it's within the shit economy we have but at least they know how community works absolutely but you know out here i don't know about there but the the man has been coming down hard on the amish why what's
0: it looking like there it
1: happened in pennsylvania too well they're going after amish butchers and producers you know on on bullshit charges like health code violations or whatever
0: oh man yeah yeah
1: and they, they went after they went after my butcher here in in, in homer michigan <laughs> and
0: uh yeah, I'm just, I think these stories I, about the I, amish yeah
1: I, I was ready to activate but i think a lot of people went there to block the access of the government or i don't know if it's the state or the federal level but to, to block their to to form oh, a wow
0: job. good 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 now we need to offend them but it's that, amazing that how sense. they work
1: right yeah there's an actually there's another Amish community that even so Homer is about I don't know it's pretty close to hills about 40 miles away Mm -hmm. maybe maybe more um but there's another Amish community just about 12 miles away from um and what's nice about that and you know this too right is it you know that that uh Cultural stereotype of the Amish being aloof and separate from everybody else is just not true.
0: No, it's not true. No, no. Not,
1: true. not true. And so, what's out in this commute, community over here, <laughs> uh, Bunker Hill is the name of the town. Yeah, village. Um, there's a lot of interaction between the English and the Amish, right?
0: We see the we see the Amish in in Central Tractor, Walmart, all the time. Yeah, all the time. All the time. All the
1: time. And, I, and yeah. I love as I mentioned. A big
0: thing to do is like the when the Amish start, you know, when people start to have more familiarity with them, um, it's really great, like almost to a fault. Every anglo wants to just like call them out, call him out on some hypocrisy. You know, I I heard that guy once saw like a, a, a freezer that was plugged into a wall. Then it gets, you know, I heard that guy like uses oh, his neighbor's phone all the time. Yeah,
1: just looks. like
0: that's right. why it's got to be married to like this whole culture. I tell you, I always tell people where I live, Hemlock, New York, you have. Um, what we need is, again, more liberty. So we have the best conservatives. Many voted for Trump. Many didn't. But they would never vote whoever the mainstream Republican Party would put up. Yeah. And uh, and so um, but there are that there that conservative strain that says, like, you do you, bro. Don't be an idiot. Like, don't burn tires in your backyard. But you do you. And yeah. then, you know, that good 60s hippie vibe. You know, you do you. This is kind of partaking of that spirit, you know. Let let, at least let the men and I do what they want to do. Everybody's got to judge them so much.
1: And and we've both witnessed that where that hippie vibe that we're talking about that we embody (laughs) has become more of a conservative value. Yeah, right. Over time, which is. I didn't so we got to we got to have a time. whole
0: show on aging. I was talking to my youngest son about this because of this book, The Five Ages of Man by Gerald Hurd, It's wild, but like one of the kind of billions of things going on in the book is that if you know if ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. In a nutshell, if the individual of each species of fish is the whole. You know, each individual fish is a microcosm of the whole species of fish, and that the baby from womb to tomb it's a recapitulation of, of the whole history of humanity it's a yeah. very fruitful way of thinking but um the what point was i making from that Once oh, i said i touched
1: Amish. something, oh, something.
0: Yeah. yeah oh, oh it would be it would be this idea the 60s hippies and what they're getting conservative is there's supposed to be a fifth age of humanity you know and and the the abbot of the monastery and the real seers in our community and they're few and far between we're supposed to be pushing through beyond consumerism and so forth, right? And there's a bottleneck. So the, the key phrase, and it's mind blowing once you think about it, in a, a monastery is a recapitulation of the whole world in space, right? right? And when it's done well, and they're seeing the bottleneck and they're saying, it's creating a, a log jam in every generation before them. That's a mind blowing theory, isn't it? Well, that's, yeah. nobody's becoming a exactly. seer, I
1: mean, you know? Well, yeah. Let's talk about what used to be, He nobody even talks about them anymore, but talk about a liberal icon, Pete Seeger, right?
0: They all sell out, or it's like I don't know well, anything Pete about
1: Seger, his uh, life. But uh, right Pete Seeger said, you know, that people would accuse him of <clears throat> not being conservative because, yes, I am, I am conservative. I was oh, comfortable I'm with that. Yeah. how we lived in the village and took care yeah. of you. Yeah, good. Right, and he was right. In yeah. fact, by the way, here's a little trivia: I actually saw Pete Seeger perform when I was probably seventeen.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Martin. Yeah, it was
1: it was 77. So I was it. Wait, wait, 69 was 69 was uh Woodstock, right? Yeah. So yeah, I was yeah. 79, I was 11th grade. And uh, or maybe it was the summer before twelfth grade. And I saw Pete Seeger and Arlo Guthrie.
0: It's a good concert.
1: It wasn't and that same summer I saw Joni Mitchell and Hart and uh-huh. Alvin Lee. And I saw and I've went to a concert a week because they only cost $7 and 50 cents. Yeah. Unlike- I, wonder
0: if, I wonder if being a good musician in those years tends to make people like lousy political thinkers when they're older. Cause it is great to hear of like, like a Pete Seeger, like what is Bob Dylan thinking now? But uh, the one who's, who's kind of raised up, in some conservative circles who Tucker Carlson even had on his show is kid rock. And it's an embarrassment yeah. of like, it's an embarrassment of informed political thought. He's like chewing on his huge cigar while Simon's like yeah. taking beer and whiskey and proving he's an American. And he's well, one of he, us. Yeah. While he's got five mansions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, he, it's, it's a,
0: it's so funny. It's so a funny.
1: funny, weird thing, but it was, that was a, weird he's a good
0: idea. guy. I'm sure he's a good guy. I know um, people
1: who know him and they say he is a good guy.
0: I bet he but, is. I bet he is. But
1: you know, but he's not he's not a
0: thinker (laughs) yeah yeah a good priest friend of mine he said he's always talking about his friends because he was quite advanced as a thinker you know would always say uh it's this father at dylan who's been on the podcast um he'll talk about all of his friends and we know all their names and his biggest critique is they never had the good sense to lose their following right
1: well because you
0: can become a caricature of what your fans think of you
1: that right. is it, and you can you can start saying, well, you can, and this is a, a problem, you know, that I think about a lot. Um, even f- for me, I, I just had a conversation with somebody the other day saying, "You're dropping too many f bombs on your on your Substack stack." I am not. Well, the thing is, and <laughs> go back and talk about <laughs> nice. And what were
0: you saying? What was that last
1: sentence? Go back and talk. Start talking about nice. Sophiological theme yeah well, the oh, okay, yeah and this is I've been thinking so I've been <laughs> writing about magic and the yeah. archons and stuff about the last year or so, not all the time, but often, and the reason being because um unless there there will be no sophi sophiological, you know parallel polis if the archons are in charge.
0: Right, right, right. And I saw people asking you, like, maybe on a Facebook page, I just saw a question, like, what are archons? Describe for our listeners. Well, what do I, you mean? Like, give it a sense, me, use your imagination. A,
1: yeah, It's a useful, I, I don't even know if it's a metaphor, but it's a useful term yeah. that I took from uh, Gnosticism. So the mythos of Gnosticism, the archons. Well, this,
0: well, yeah. There's nothing good to be redeemed by Gnosticism ever. You crossed the Rubicon.
1: crossing the line people i'm crossing (laughs) the line anyway yeah only they say paul talks about this is in in ephesians right 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 our our contention is not with flesh and blood right that's what he's talking about the spiritual powers (laughs) in my places so for me when i use that term archons uh one way you could say i mean the assholes running things Mm -hmm. right so the people like the World Economic Forum, for instance, okay. are, yeah, or yeah. the World Health, mm-hmm. Health Organization, who are trying to become the rulers of the planet.
0: We need to have a live show sometime because I think it's very important. You know, that's why I asked you to identify, you know, give a definition of the archons. Because uh, I think those of us, we just mentioned the word conspiracy theory and its proper place and usage. It's the only way to understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, the other one is this idea of those guys. Let me identify as one of you, one of us. These guys are bad. How do we, how do you, if, you know, I could be a very intelligent, well-meaning guy, Michael Martin, and I could say like, like my dad was, he's a German, he's a powerful thinker. And he looked at the Kennedy assassination and said, (laughs) I don't think more than 15 people can keep a secret. You know, this is a good man. So there's a whole way of thinking that comes out of that okay insight. Are you, are you picking up what I'm laying down? Yes. You know, so you have well-natured people are saying, okay, I get it. Like, so here's this thing called just shit happens. Here's this other thing. Uh-huh. Explain, explain your working of like how, like World Economic Forum even, like how does it play out? Or maybe it's hidden in plain sight. I think a lot of it is hidden in plain sight.
1: Go ahead. Well, you can, you mean, I mean, uh, for instance, I think it's World Economic Forum. I just watched a video this morning. the The, the son of the guy who started it, with mm-hmm. klaus schwab but left in 1982 out of disgust mm-hmm. i can't remember the guy's name he's swiss um yeah and uh he said you know the, the problem is is they have diplomatic immunity and why it's not a country right yeah, right and uh and you see and this has been we've seen this over the last these are the guys who are calling all the shots for yeah. all the horrible policies that happened over covid yeah. right yeah. Yep. yep, and that. They're the ones, with speaking of magic, build back better.
0: I saw a video today
1: on COVID. It was one of these
0: guys and listeners, maybe I can put it when I post this episode, the guy's name. I think, you know, I think we had two Surgeon Generals during that time. But it was, a, Peter might be his first name. Certainly a big name. We'd see him on the news, not every night like you'd see Fauci, but one of these guys. Maybe mm-hmm. his name will come to me. Anyhow, there's a video of him You're okay. on a panel. okay
1: The fat guy? That,
0: no, this guy's a skinny guy. But he's saying, he goes, oh my God, like, man, if I looked back, like we were, and he wasn't talking like this. He was like, we were really caught up in just like one thing and and, like one thing only. And it was like COVID and mitigating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Did you see the video?
0: Yeah, Francis Collins. Exactly. That's a wild video. Yeah. And he's he's unapologetic, but he also doesn't seem dismissive of the common man. They don't exist. They don't exist for him. But he was and he's just saying, who... yeah, he's just he's comfortable with himself saying we're so focused, we really moved so millions of lives.
1: Yeah, he's so he focused. Who was the guy who tried who, who sent out the email to tell the fringe scientists like Jay Battacheria and those mm-hmm. other guys? To shut up. are yeah, right, right. scientists. Fringe scientists who teach at Stanford, Harvard, and Oxford, right? <laughs> yeah. I signed the day it came out, the declaration. All right. Yeah. Um, but I, it was but pretty I, so easy. Going
0: back to the archons. Have you right? felt any guilt about signing that thing? It's like that's it's right. common sense incarnate.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, common sense incarnate. And but the thing so going back to the archons, right? So that's one way to think about it. Mm-hmm. but saint paul talks about it in sort of the the gnostics it, as spiritual beings
0: yeah what do we mean by that i am everybody's mean, blaming everybody's blaming everything now
1: who work and i think this is actually i think this is actually how it works I, and this is what part of my argument on my my talk for on magic next week is that you, when you're doing that stuff you're invoking demons in a way right Absolutely, so these spiritual entities Come, we'll come and work whether those guys know it or don't know it. They work through them. This is what's. This is straight up William Blake, right? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, and I think that's what exact. That's why Saint Paul says our our contention is not with flesh and blood. right I'm not battling against the World Economic Forum, though. That's the that's kind of the the artillery that the archons use in a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's what works through them. And this is actually connected to this i have uh we just i, I don't know if it's the i think it was the feast day of joan of arc the other day okay and been thinking a lot about joan of arc you know because on the one hand some of the people you know progressives try to try to show her as like this uh icon of flu- gender fluidity right 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 bullshit um but you're you know And you think about this, and I've puzzled about this one a lot in my life. I mean, why would God tell a little girl to go lead an army? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right? And speaking of Shakespeare, Shakespeare's Henry VI, you know, Shakespeare is is English as the next guy. (laughs) She was a witch, basically, according to... In the the world of that play, right? Because that's not how the English thought of her, Mm -hmm. right? Because they thought she was possessed. But but my goodness, she got the job done, right? Mm -hmm. She got the job done. Now... And this is my whole thing, right? Uh, what I've, I've been thinking a lot about right now is, and I've thought about it over the over the, over the ages, is, and I'm not I'm not uh, approving of violence, but I think there there is a place in the world for a kind of Christian knighthood that is not kind of a soft male accommodation. You know what I mean? Um. Kind of like when, when the Amish decide, fuck it, we're voting this time, right? Yeah. I think sometimes I action is required, and we don't, I mean, most Christians, you know, we know this, you know, especially academics and intellectuals, they, they talk a good game, but they don't do a damn thing. No, right, they, right. They just don't do anything.
0: They what talk, does a Christian knighthood look like?
1: Yeah. Kind of like that Ricky Gervais things, you know? Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> in his Golden Globes thing where he said to the Hollywood people, said, you know, you say you woke, but if ISIS started, started as a streaming service, you'd call your agent. That's kind <laughs> of- I like how they're going after <laughs> like him and Chappelle right now. Day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. We saw, and we saw a lot of Christian intellectuals absolutely sign up with the Archons over the last four years, which is why I gave so up. So on- many. Yeah so many and, and we have to say pope francis as well right they yeah, yeah. they, and they, they 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 went along with it
0: i actually forget about that on behalf of pope francis because i can defend him on more than and i'm not a super fan you know i'm like a greedo preparatus buddy but i can defend that guy pretty easily just by it's it's like working in migrant ministry now it's part of my new gig and everything like all of a sudden i'm seeing in reverse like uh how how wild it was, you know, that America took this European church. Think of Vietnamese Catholicism. It's so unique and so one at the same time. Move up to the Philippines. And that Americans have just suffered to practice this European implant for so long. And we have not begun to identify our own liturgies or anything. And um, and I see what's there in Mexico with our Lady of Guadalupe and so forth. And it's wild. So I can defend uh like people just. It's going to be dirty, you know, that somebody has to land a plane. We've had these popes of concepts of beautiful concepts. They were going to meet with the Earth at some point. It's going to be rocky. And then, Michael, it doesn't mean I don't think he sold out to something, too. But the um, uh, such a controversial character. Larry, we'll all talk about it in a big way.
1: But min- speaking of, you know, the New Middle Ages, I mean, that's yeah, precisely yeah. the idea. And I don't know if Rajai would go that far, but this is in my read of the Middle Ages. And it's, it's not like I've is that, and especially of the church of the Middle Ages, and of even earlier, it was it was not the business model we see now. No. Right? It was not the, I, I wouldn't call it colonialist model, I don't yeah. think, but I think it's a business model. It's kind of a top-down, right? Where if you go back to when there was a Celtic church, they were kind of, kind of out in the wilderness doing their own thing.
0: I confess to working with like we're in an epical change that will leave everything post-Charlemanian um almost invisible. Again, it riches reeks. Let's just say like Feudalism was a thing, you know. Every Jordan Peterson hierarch is getting rebolstered for the new yeah. feudalism. But like, let's say it's all crumbling right now, so that like Illich would say, uh-huh. it's time for Christianity to return to the hills and countryside. Right. That's not seventies, yeah, you know.
1: I think the the key for me, I mean, if I had one word that would save the church, mm-hmm. it would be decentralization.
0: Yeah, 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 I always I always say devolution, devolution, devolve, devolve.
1: Decentralized I mean, the, the problem is that's it's a central centralized thing around the Vatican. We always talk about the Vatican.
0: The only problem with that is like there's nothing. The best thing is a decentralized church. The worst thing is a decentralized church. Why? Because the American Catholic Church, either which way you shake it or bake it, left or right, it would be an abomination. It is, it's such a
1: parody. right? Well, that, I don't mean, you know, I don't mean national churches either.
0: No, no, right, right, right. That's the
1: thing. Decentralized the U.S. I mean, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. What a work! Look at the
0: well. Look at the Anglican Communion's. You know that Milbank posted today. Just like the the Anglican Communion over in Britain, that is horribly run. They're selling every local church. They have these central administration buildings that are doing everything via email. Um, And that's why Alison
1: Milbank. She just had a book that came out on save the parish, right? She's got the right idea. Yeah, she does. Don't save the church, Uh, save the parish.
0: Yeah. I was in an event last night, Michael, and I won't use names here. Young adults, Catholic to a fault, a lot of them associated with RAT, probably a little more conservative. This stuff becomes so irrelevant. Two priests were there. They wore full cassock. People were getting together every Friday night in kind of an urban home, babies, families, young adults. Again, it swung right. Um, There was a priest there who, uh, when he was like a teenager, he was, he's just a very hyper-intelligent guy. Uh, he was doing stuff online and he said, there's this thing called Bitcoin and wow. did he go from a little investment to something huge.
1: Really? Tells
0: a story that blew my mind, Michael, blew my mind. He's saying that like one day he knew he had a lot of money and he looked at me, he goes, I i have a lot of money. And he um, he's driving through the city on way to one of these young adult gatherings that have been going on for like seven years. And he has a Wegmans, it's a big supermarket chain around here. He has a sub trade, he's just gonna give it the young guy, but the young guy is homeless. Sounds like a scene from It's a Wonderful Life, but just takes one sub. Says, oh, "This, I'm. thank you, sir. This is all I could eat. Then the priest gets it. He sees that in the three or four short monks of having money, his soul was getting totally ripped out of him. Wow. And he's just telling me this at dinner. So now half the people there who came to the Rochester Diocese Catholic, doing good things on behalf of the church, they have interest-free loans from this guy and <laughs> he keeps like minimal records it's wow. like he writes this stuff out on the back of a receipt and files it away mm-hmm. and so it's just to say that we have all these things you have these things i have these things and i saw humanity working on all cylinders last night all nice. cylinders yep it was really cool and yeah. it
1: doesn't mm-hmm.
0: mean there's a movement there and it's not my temperament um but it was good to see, like, I worry about young people and mental health, but like, you get on the flip side of that, where there's community, there's something beautiful. And I know there it's beautiful on the left, too. Um, but like, let's just pray the Holy Spirit's working through these things. Yeah. And it was good. It was good.
1: But yeah. And, but, but there's, there's always, and I, and I also, um, Actually, I, I, I ran the, the astrological chart for the World Economic Forum the other day. I saw
0: you were playing with astrology again. I'm a fan, by the way. I'm a fan.
1: <clears throat> and, uh, in fact, a, a friend of mine, I talked to her the other day on the phone, and she said, I, I just printed out your your, your latest sub stack. And I'm like, which one? Went, the astrology one. I said, why? Because I, I, I want to see how you do. <laughs> and Wait, I'm, quick you- aside.
0: Yeah, me too. Me. Quick aside on astrology. Last night at the same gathering, I was talking about, like, Rene Wihon, um, Frijov Shouan, and, you know, the traditionalist. And the people around me, they know a lot, but they didn't know these guys. And I'm like, you know, I, those people who I almost have nothing in common with, but at least they understood that astronomy was fallen astrology, and chemistry was fallen alchemy. And everybody around me who were, like, left-brained mechanical people, well, they were really confused by this. Really well,
1: here's the thing. I mean, uh, people talk to you me know, when they talk about enchanting the world or enchanting the church again re-enchanting mm-hmm. right yeah which i appreciate right but but it, it gets it gets to, like we know it gets to be a kind of cosplay yeah you know i'm in the shire let's go have ale it can be you know what i mean but i don't when i think about astrology or the existence of fairies or other things like this i don't think of it as this kind of enchanting thing right it's not yeah. kind of, we need a marriage of like your it's tradition. It's like logical and scientific.
0: Yeah. You know. A marriage between the beautiful community I saw last night and your type of thinking is a match made in heaven. Yeah. You know, they reminded me that I still have a lot to learn. That's for sure.
1: You know, I mean, and, and I think some people have said this and I think it's, it's a good thing. I all mean, right. Part of, I mean, not all enchantment is good. No. Um, What was I talking to or reading? Oh, I was editing a book actually where he talks about this. Yeah. Which is pretty What's interesting. Um, but the idea of What's the book called? I don't- Oh, you're writing a book. I'm no, I'm not writing. I'm editing uh, I'm for somebody.
0: Is it an academic
1: book? No. Okay, good. You'll have to divulge that book. secret. Yeah, in fact-
0: Now, after,
1: let, quick now, question. We'll i on the show because he's really funny.
0: Okay, I bet. Yeah. Sounds interesting. So quick question. He's when he's you say- Okay. So, wow, cool. If you say right about this for our listeners, define this. I'm not even sure how I would define what we're talking well,
1: about. Well, what he's what in there was talking about. So, say the, we're talking about the existence of fairies, for instance, mm-hmm. or some kind of elemental being, right? right? Well, don't. And this is what you get with the cosplayers, right? They think they're all nice. Yeah, they're not all nice. Stephen and,
0: Clark makes that clear, right, when we've talked yes. to him about the underworld.
1: I mean, yeah. We have, I mean, some that are nice, some that are neutral, and some that are <laughs> that's again, right. a marriage of the new age left with the more conservative right. The right would say yeah. some of
0: these things can't be good, bro, and they're 100% yeah, and, right.
1: And now, actually I talked to the other day, I talked to uh, Roger Buck.
0: I so mentioned this stuff
1: on pretty soon
0: tell him i'm excited i'm familiar with this story. i told him that yeah
1: and i had a great talk we had a great conversation i really liked that guy but he for a while i don't know how long lived at findhorn which right? is what what Finhorn is this community in scotland that sounds cool armed in the late 60s mid 60s
0: cool time on um, year
1: because people there started to actually receive messages from fairies and stuff right awesome um it, so is Roger public about I knew, this? I knew people who had visited yeah. there, but I kind of knew about it, and they did actually did pretty amazing things with their garden there, the yeah. garden. miraculous. Um, so I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, I was Christmas shopping, and usually I buy Bonnie something from an antique store mm-hmm. because some I want to get her something she would never buy for herself.
0: Sure, well deserved, Bonnie. Shout out
1: and so i happen there's this bookstore in jackson nearby and, and a in their base great space center
0: in jackson new york
1: jackson michigan
0: do they still have the space center i went there as a kid jackson in space jackson?
1: center yeah it's called the jackson oh, mm, i don't know maybe michael michael okay go ahead i think actually i, have my, I think my kids were there's a space museum or something right I'll,
0: i'm gonna ask our dearest friend uh, google I don't is know. there a space center in jackson michigan uh, opened in 1977 on the campus of Jackson Community College. Oh, yeah. The Michigan Space and Science Center was built by matching state and college funds. Matching state and um, funds are best. Uh, we actually visited. Yeah, some people have been there recently.
1: Oh, yeah. that's in fact, it,
0: got, it got four uh, out of five stars if anybody's interested. Support the Jackson Center. I think Center.
1: my kids have been there. My kids okay. have been there. Huh. You should go there uh, sometime. Not interesting. But anyway. <laughs> where was I? Oh, yeah, I was talking about Finhorn. So. Yeah. Is that you had friends in books? Jackson, oh, Michigan. Oh, yeah. antique and on the basement, they have they had all these used books and they were selling for like a dollar a piece. And I and I happened to buy the Finhorn book there. Wow. Which I'd seen forever. Yeah. Um, but interesting in there, there was in fact you've probably seen this video. You know uh the film My Dinner with Andre. I do very well. You and it's over the last year, years shout recently.
0: out to my son Peter Courage Sauter. He and I watched it together. <laughs> oh, good. Like, Dad, well, you know, when he was young, he was like, what are you doing, Dad? What are you doing with me? And uh, we
1: joke about that, that. The guy Andre Gregory in there, right? Yeah, who's he? he? I plays, don't know who he is. He plays He's John Jackson. the Baptist in the Last Temptation Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, okay. But anyway, going back to to Finhorn, Um, in that film, my my dinner with Andre, there's a part where Andre Gregory is talking about this guy he met. Who goes around, he's 84 years old, goes around the world planting trees. Yeah. You know, and he tell and he tells them, You ever notice you know, people you're from New York? Oh, that's interesting. You know, a lot of people live in New York, always talk about getting out, but they never leave. Yeah. You think that is, right? And he hands him a seat, he said, get out while there's still time. Yeah. And he, yeah. And, and the guy tells him he thinks that <laughs> and this is back in 1981 when this came out. Oh great. We should do a show on my dinner
0: with Andre, like again. Yeah. We got a nice community now. Just ask people to watch it. We should talk about it.
1: In where uh, he thinks the world is run by a, a cabal based on money. <laughs> yeah, which, right. We should describe. Yeah. He's describing what we're gonna do right now. Yeah. yeah. And but it, the guy he's he's talking about his name was R. Ogilvy Crom- Crombie, mm. or they called him Rock R.O.C. Yeah. And so the part in the Findhorn book with Rock and he in the uh, you know uh, apparently he said he had encounters with the god Pan, mm, who he meets right. him and says, when, you know, he tells him, I serve the almighty God.
0: Pan is a huge theme in Gerald Hurd's work. You know, the sense yeah. of panic and how and how the different ages of man have tried to come to terms with that that encounter mm. with Pan. You know, what we have a generation that doesn't even encounter Pan. We've been so heretically right. sealed.
1: Well, He's and there. here's the thing. As he said in, in there, he tells him, well, was, some people confuse me. And Pan tells them. Some people confuse me with anti-Pan, who is mm. just the opposite, right? Yeah. And I, this is important to to think about when you're talking about enchantment, is it's, you know, it's now, well, like we... Well, listen, say it again. Who, to, confused, uh, who confused who with anti-Pan? I missed that. No, that anti-Pan sometimes goes there and, you know... Auntie oh, Pan yeah. Is
0: Absolutely.
1: The opposite of serving the Almighty God, right?
0: Okay, well, uh, how about this? Um... And I think I'm serious about this, or I guess I'll just admit I'm exploring, but, you know, part of this Pan thing, as I see it explored by Rabelais, and as you see, you know, he was a great libertarian, right? He was Walt Whitman before Walt Whitman, who's yeah. pre-Shakespeare, but um, he played a lot with Pan and with Walt Whitman. And, and again, it's like what I was saying about getting the feudalism out of things. Um, we isn't isn't the next thing our friends, Lindsay Rose will be on again soon about more of an integration of light and darkness. Mike, that's what I was saying. When you talked about the archons, I said, gosh, I was going down a completely different road." that like everybody with a pulse is talking about the demon affecting their shopping list, the demon doing this. I had a bad day. It's a demon. It's a demon. And this uh, Lindsay Rose would say, it's one of the most hopeful phrases I've heard is that we are, you have a generation that's pretty comfortable with saying the only way out is through, right? You know, that yeah. we have a top-down European, post-Charlemagnean Christianity that hasn't dealt with the underworld. We praise people like Young, So make that distinction for me. You know, um, that you're talking a lot about distinguishing the good
1: and the bad, and I get well, it. Like, I, but, but, the, but the point I'm trying to make, I, I guess, yeah. is that people who talk about enchantment, they're, they're a little f- <laughs> flighty. Ooh, let's get enchanted, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Where. You know which, but I think to recognize that you live in an enchanted world and that it is enchanted, and that to Mm -hmm. think it's not enchanted doesn't mean it's not. Yeah. Right. Um. But I mean, you certainly mean that's well said. Spirits, right? This goes back to to the letters of Saint John, right? The discernment of spirits is important because they're not all your friend, right? Mm -hmm. And was in Saint Saint John says, unless they confess that Christ is Lord, they're demons, right? Yeah. And what I just said doesn't mine any
0: new territory, and I'm not claiming it does, because mm-hmm. again, Stephen Clark admitted that in the underworld, there are certain things you avoid and certain things you have to make friends with. So even that's complicated. You know, right. so what some people in the Catholic tradition have called, say, sin mysticism is just take a headlong plunge into darkness. Right. Right. And then many of you will come out and you're OK. And just like Little Red Riding Hood, I suppose you could say I I knew things now that I didn't know then. Right. From yeah, Stephen I mean, Saldheim,
1: really... but. And, and there's a reason people stop doing it. In fact, I'm I'm, hope, I'm going to talk to my publisher about publishing my play on John D. Because hmm. um, I wrote it 20 years ago. Um,
0: have you read Tomberg on John D.? He's got an essay on him. It's really good. A whole essay?
1: Yeah. I must have it. I'm sure I have
0: It's, it's called... He's got a book called, like, Russia and other essays. Yeah. He just... Yeah. I think oh, it's, those it's essays. in
1: there. really essays, yeah. yeah.
0: He's got one on John D. Mm-hmm. on there.
1: Okay. But anyway... Um, but you see with John D, John D thought he was talking to angels and he wasn't. And they played him like a game of Yahtzee. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, so the, the discernment of spirits is an important uh, thing here. And this is, in, in, you know, it's so, and it's so tricky. It's yeah. probably a good idea to avoid it altogether. Right? I'm laughing because
0: my son and I were listening to a podcast and I remember we were going disc golfing in Naples, New York. This is Aiden who has been on the podcast. Um, And I asked him if he wanted to come on today and give an update on why he thinks Jordan Peterson is bricking, which for him is the worst thing, you know, just flat, flatlining. But um, we were going to play disc golf and we were listening to a podcast you did with um, Jonathan Peugeot. But you were saying that, if, like on a Ouija board, how easy it is for somebody to say, like, you know, I'm Jesus or something, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. It's like dialing seven numbers and saying, fuck Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get
0: it. And because you were saying, yeah, yeah, this guy's this, yeah. guy, this guy thinks I'm Jesus. That's it. And then the field day they're gonna have. The field day those things are gonna mm-hmm. have.
1: Yeah, so and I um what was I just thinking about it? Um but I yeah, and so going back to Pan, it's interesting. So um Pan gets a lot of bad press. I like Pan. I do too. And in uh you know the story, and I write about it in I think it's in Sophia in exile. There's a story about at the time of the crucifixion mm-hmm. that the sailor was on the Mediterranean and he heard a voice come across the sea saying, it's this, the "Great it's Pan the, is dead." Yeah, it's
0: the it's the it's the climactic scene in all of the the four books of Pantagruel and Reblay. Uh, yep, yep. But 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 or one of the top five.
1: But and I think this is reported in I think it's Bede or one of those. Um. But the interesting thing is, is some people interpreted that meaning that Pan, you know, the god of, of, you know, of the common people had died. I text
0: myself, when I have interesting thoughts or read something, sometimes I text them to myself. Mm -hmm. And I've probably texted uh, some things about Pan to myself in the last year. I'll just see. Um, Go ahead. Yeah.
1: But, but. My interpretation in other people, and I think this is, I like this interpretation, is that whatever that spiritual being was that that said that was not talking about Pan, the goat-footed God, but yeah. Jesus. And
0: because
1: yeah. they thought, because Pan means the all, right? So the, you know, the all is that, which which when you see Christ on the cross, that's what it is, right?
0: Yeah.
1: hold on, he is gone. And... Another person who picked up on this later was Eleanor Fargen. and I wrote about her also in uh, yeah Sophia Excel and Eleanor Fargin has a book called Pan Worship and then okay. her book, she's there's an interesting dialogue between basically representative of you know the kind of stiff ecclesiology and Pan who is uh-huh. and pan and in, in her and especially in that book is her. Uh, metaphor for Christ.
0: Yeah. And again, the Pan dying thing, you know, that's Mm -hmm. always tied into the birth of Christ, but that's played a different way if I read it correctly across literature. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the notion of Peter Pan. And I found that I'd sent myself some quotes, but they must be embedded. But it looks like I was playing with Pan a lot when I was reading Northrop Frye. And it must be, I don't know if it's in Blake, but Frye was probably using it to you know, draw out some things of Blake, but yeah, pan, you know, with the all um, mm-hmm. bread, you know, play with everything folks play with everything.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, there's, there are, you know, all enchantment is not fun. <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. Yeah. Right. And I'm still going to be thinking about this, this notion of, um, you know, that when I mentioned, and I guess my mind went there, the notion of like rooting out the canon. You know, in one article I wrote at Front Porch about a year ago, I was just pulling out some things that Powys had seen. And I mentioned that, you know, Prospero is that as we look at whatever we're trying to go through, and I'm just, I'm going to presume for this conversation, you know, something I believe, but you you phrase it, like things are really dark right now. They're dark. You look at what's going on with young people. There's there's no hope or anything. Is um the, you know, this notion that if we needed a sizable change, And I've been reading Novalis, who thought, and again, I can, I think I've read without looking for it, is that the Catholic Church hasn't officially closed the canon. But the notion that I I play with is that, you know, when you read the Gospels, Powies taught me that only, only in the story of the Good Samaritan is the presence of uh, kind of a prickly old guy who gets a little peeved if you don't do what he says is is out there, right? That's very interesting, you know, and that the... um, that even in the in the Beatitudes, do this so that something may happen. You know, Pauly said, like, when are we going to get a testament that says, do this because it's the right thing? And that says, why do we worship the God of thunderbolts when we should be worshiping the victims of thunderbolts? You know, and that's what I'm, all I'm saying for the listeners is that this vibe that I hear from Guido, you know, who's a dear friend of us, it, it's a really otherworldly thing for me. And uh, Walt Whitman, who was a herald of something? This thing that I see dying around me, which is this European no-fit transplant. Let me say a word about synodality just very briefly. Is that yeah, it's gonna fall flat, and the German thing is probably true. But when you see it in the Mexican church, it's alive. It's like it's like we stand in a room. Synodality's down there, wants to be talked to, but like Sleeping Beauty, we have no interest, so we run it like a board meeting, then complain synodality sucks. When right. a, when it's in the hands of the Mexican community, and again, I I just think it's poetic. of all Mexicans have Mestiza blood, native blood. It's almost like they sit down and do the same thing, but with an open mind and not being so politicized. Not being so politicized. A genie comes out of a bottle and her name is the Holy Spirit.
1: Well, I think, I mean, what you're pointing to is just kind of uh, various cultural trajectories. Like, there's the Mexican cultural trajectory, but there's also, you know, plus you had the Mexican Civil War, um, right, but the Western European trajectory, I think we could point to, um, and this is what the Romantics were pushing against is with, um, enlightenment infected Christendom like a virus, <laughs> it's the ultimate lab leak theory, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, directly yeah, yeah. to Francis Collins, who's always touted as Francis. Did you know he's a Christian, Collins?
0: Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? The female there, the early female who wore, who wore like scarves beautifully. Oh, uh, yeah. She had short hair. Yeah, she Burton, she Burton. had ties to Houghton College, which is a Christian college not far from where I sit.
1: Yeah, it's all bullshit, right? So, but I think that that enlighten which in that enlightenment kind of mindset that infected the church. We and it, you could actually, as I argue in the reality, it really goes back to nominalism. Um, in pure nature, is that?
0: Or what that, does Steiner say about like? Okay, Michael, my name is Rudolf Steiner. Isn't there something in there? Or Barfield, yes, uh, who wrote you know wonderfully about the imagination? Who say almost like we had to go through the stage? You, know, you got like to go it. down to the V to the individuation and out. So bringing yeah, that it, in a little bit. Yeah. I
1: think there's a lot to that. Okay, but I think but but just to look at it phenomenologically. I mean, you can just look. It uh-huh. became rational and materialistic, even. You know, as i have been critiquing forever except for the eucharist but so everything else is rational materialistic and yeah you know, i see this with especially those 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 notre dame people i'm calling you out people where they're they're a super rationalistic materialistic scientific materialist until it comes to the issue of the eucharist then all of a sudden they get enchanted for 15 minutes every sunday and, and you then need it goes to throw away. like
0: and they and you need to throw <coughs> real 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 on it at the beginning
1: yeah and they all sign up they all get the shots they all do whatever they got to do right you know (laughs) they do (laughs) right they all
0: when michigan was beating the snot out of like washington i wanted the underdogs i was rooting for washington last night i didn't watch much in the national championship game but um you know i think my son youngest son and i were making a case you know uh, michigan's worked hard i'm sure the players have but then i said uh but Ann Arbor, according to Michael Martin, is just the worst for masks and yes. things. And then we both sided so strongly with Washington against all the odds. Now, that's a good way to it craft is. good and evil, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. going into Washington, to Ann Arbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see about it and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and it's only 30 miles away. Not even that. Right, right, right. 25 yeah. miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's weird. It's like visiting a different planet. I, they had never stopped wearing masks. Yeah, yeah, maybe
0: that's it. When you talk about yeah. light and darkness, if you go into the darkness realm, a lot of that world is technocratic, right? These bad spirits down there.
1: They're the voice yeah. that
0: they come yeah. out of the dark and they look good, but yeah. they're actually just small little technocrats like AI machines down there, right? And that's still a good way required, to
1: envision. U of M still requires students get the get the shots. Yeah, yeah. At this point, yeah. when it, it's more harm than help to them.
0: No, but I'm even saying if you enter the underworld, if you took DMT, a lot yeah. of these entities are technocratic. That's how you separate the good darkness from the bad darkness, right? So we have to encounter the good darkness, but run from the bad darkness. If I had some advice, if you were to run from the bad darkness, you go into the underworld. But if you see something that sounds like technocratic, run. But the other thing is, if you are going to handle those journeys that he's talking about, you better read a lot of poetry so you can spot the technocratic. Because yeah. when we let the right brain atrophy so much by reading, just only thinking in that technocratic no- mode, whether you're Catholic or not, yeah. you're going to confuse the technocratic AI with the real thing that only well, a poet uh, can escape. And you so We have need to develop can. the right brain um, yeah. like it's our job, like it's our job. Right. Don't talk about arts in the school, make arts the center of the school.
1: And not only that, but the other thing, not just poetry. So the, yeah. the, I think a big problem so for those kids who or people, even adults who, who go on DMT journeys or ayahuasca or mushrooms or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um they I I I it concerns me that a lot of them won't have a vocabulary for about what they experience because they don't have a background or immersion in not only poetry, but fairy tales and legends and mythology. Yeah, right?
0: yeah that's what when I always tell go people. Into yeah.
1: that realm, that's you are look you're walking into um a somewhat symbolic realm. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people,
0: I have people who come because <laughs> I've worked for the church. They show up and they say, I see things, you know, and that who's Fritz's grandma is going to die and so forth. And and I'll ask them, no doubt you're seeing things. But like I said, like I could get dropped into the Amazon rainforest with a taxonomy and a botany guide or maybe I have that knowledge in my head and I could just see more things, you know, but um, you get dropped in with nothing and you be, you start to see what William right. Blake called a blooming, buzzing confusion, right? right? So that's how our imagination makes the world. But, uh, but I said, like, it sounds to me like your imagination is like me getting dropped into the Amazon, not knowing a toucan from a rattlesnake. Yeah. And you know that's that's a something that I think Goethe gets at, this higher levels of seeing the interaction of the right brain, and the left brain, the role of poetry, imagination for sure. In the, and know, that's what,
1: yeah. what Novala's yeah. called romanticizing, right?
0: Yeah, so don't go it, into the Amazon without some taxonomy because you you could get bitten. That's the point. But everybody's doing it. We're saying, no, you could enter that world of darkness if you train the spiritual faculties. Yeah. Um, if you engage Actually, in risk as a child, right? If you read stories with, like, bad outcomes right. at the right time, <laughs> at the right time.
1: And as we know, fairy tales are not all happy, right? No. Um. That's like, aren't they violent? I want to
0: don't read, uh, yeah. Don't read Guido Preparatus entry into your last Jesus. Oh, no, yeah,
1: the three who <laughs> yeah, really I did this without the aid of drugs, people. Yeah. Um. So um, in my book that's coming out in the in the spring, Mythologies of the Wild of God. Poetry some of the poems Martin. in there were basically my reimagining or imagining myself into kind of the the stories and legends and myths that nourish me to, to this day like the story of orpheus or dionysus or mm-hmm. the the lancelot and grail stuff right um but other parts other of those poems were actually of of me kind of imaginatively entering into the landscape of waterloo township where i live mm-hmm. and uh
0: it's like the napoleon of, of not Hill.
1: Poems, and yeah. i was shocked by what happened yeah so in fact i might publish one on my Substack next week um, where it was, and it's amazing what I discovered by these kind of uh, imaginative journeys. They're kind of like dried mushroom trips or DMT uh-huh. trips because I wasn't on anything except for coffee. Um, but I entered up into this landscape and saw what kinds of legends and myths live there, which is kind of a shocking experience. But, yeah. you know, and I look back and those are probably some of my favorite poems in the book. And I don't know where they came from.
0: Do you think? 100%. Have you read the Napoleon of Notting Hill by Chesterton? Yes. Yeah, it's great, right? It's a, it kind of plays on some of those themes, you know. Do you see overlaps between your experience and what, like Chesterton wrote down when he was carrying three hundred and eighty pounds at a desk with those huge hands and a tiny pencil?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I don't know.
0: <laughs> but the and, thing is, but I you think know the romance is- of the everyday. Everything. You know, isn't that the whole? You know, that's the movie of you know a man called ove right um when you mentioned orpheus you know that's the theme of we'd like to get her on the podcast and is mitchell to talk about the excellent music Hades town that has dylan-esque mm-hmm. lyrics um but you know something like that right is the well, yeah. uh, we enter <clears throat> in and you get the magic you can't just read Chesterton; you have to do the work and well, reimagine your neighborhood in the city or your hamlet you know
1: and actually on our next our, our next show we're going hopefully it should work out we're going yeah. to Interviewed the English folk singer uh, Olivia Cheney, and on her she did an album with uh, the Decemberists, and they called oh. themselves Opharex. The Decemberists'
0: name came up at this uh, gathering I was at last night. We had a great conversation about music and Christian, blah, you know, the Christian rock and
1: everything. Go ahead. There they explore, I mean, it's almost like a like a kind of Latter Day um fairport convention album because they're exploring not only the english hymn tradition which this beautiful version they do of the old churchyard but they also you know explore it's um i can't remember the name of the song Willie something that uh is kind of a retelling of the tam lin legend right
0: wow wow like an mitchell yeah yeah it's a powerful story that's a great that would be a story for any readers who when we use the underworld you know, again, if you needed a taxonomy, if you needed a taxonomy, folks, if you needed a taxonomy, start reading the poem you can find it. Tam Lynn, listen to some of its musical settings. And it starts to mm-hmm. give you the language to start to deal with those things that we're referring to. Lindsay Rose, if you're listening, you know, I'm thinking of you. She's very good mm-hmm. at this language. Um, she's coming on, but um, this type of thing. That's what we're talking about, a taxonomy. It's there for the underworld, it's there in stories. In a uh, in European Catholicism, it's there in you know a pseudo Dionysius and uh some of the saints and Saint Paul, but yeah. to get to the underworld where the good and the darkness dance, um, Novalis is a master in Hymns to the Night,
1: and he was right because with when all, with all that stuff disappearing okay. from Christendom, that's the fall of Christendom, and that's what yeah, we're probably right
0: that's the left brainism is what you yep. see right now.
1: Have in fact, <clears throat> um, you see in Ireland and Italy and All through the former Christendom, is is now now experiencing, you know, the in a kind of a Muslim invasion like was happening under Charles Martel, but but it's time we open the doors because there's no such thing as Christian culture anymore. Right, right, right. There's nothing to there's nothing to push back. (laughs) right we got nothing. We got nothing. We have no imagination. Just come on in. Yeah, because we get we are we have run out of gas. And, what books and,
0: are you reading now oh go ahead
1: yeah because the imagination has <laughs> run out of yeah it's become perverted and run out yeah. of, and it doesn't exist and yeah. that's what we're yeah doing.
0: and it's it's in that angle that like for our listeners i was just asking you like what you're reading is that so you know contextualizing this a little bit again we haven't some people get a kick out of it like when i talk to common friends that you know michael and i haven't really talked for a month ago we chatted for less than maybe four seconds before I just start recording. And um, so today felt like a lot, you know, like having coffee and kind of catching up. But again, like over this time, I've gotten some time to read. And this isn't like one of those annual book things in a magazine, which are good when they're done well, but like, what do you read now or what questions are interesting you, how would you frame them in kind of a shorthand?
1: Uh, Well, I was reading a lot about magic Mm -hmm. and I'm reading before I go to bed, I read fiction or poetry. So I've been okay. reading uh, Sally Vickers. Do you know her? No, I've seen the name. <laughs> she, um, she, what happened when, when we interviewed uh, David Bentley Hart, she was one of the first people to comment because David was going to interview her. Okay. And, yeah, I do you know, remember oh, that phenomenon. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still early in the book. I don't know where it's going. But I'm reading her because there's always kind of a I wouldn't say supernatural, but a slight enchanted element to a, tour a books, one I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm reading that, but um, where, where I'm heading, though, is what I was talking about earlier. I'm, in fact, I'm meaning to crack it open today, is I have to investigate or think more deeply about this idea of the Christian warrior. Okay,
0: right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned it. I've got a lot of ideas, but you formulate it. <laughs> well,
1: and, and I have. You know,
0: because Soloviev, you know, that book about Soloviev called The Knighthood of the Divine Sophia. Yeah. You know, you have, um, yeah, I think the work of Eric Fraum is going to be important in some sense, you know, because you have to play with that history of love. Um, I would love for you to read, or maybe I can send you the pages. You know, the fact that the, um, I think going into the future, the fact that Tristan and Isolde, You tell me, I'm not telling you what's important. Um, Romeo and Juliet, that whole phenomenon of like romantic love that Charles Williams plays with so wonderfully. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at Dostoevsky, who we all call the prophet of the next generation of Christianity or something, you know, Powie's pointed out to me, it's just not there at all. Like, it just nobody seems to give a rat's ass about it, right? But world goes on. But that's such a theme for us. You know, love, love, you know, love trumps hate, all this weird stuff. Well, How does that play into a knighthood if so much of our knighthood is kind of Dantean and Chivalric, you know, about a you know courtly romance and things?
1: <coughs> Pardon me, but what I'm thinking about <coughs> is with Joan of Arc Okay. And in the trials, and I have the transcript I'm trying to figure out where it is. Um, and this is what people don't think about. I mean what what's fascinating to me about her story, right? Right at this moment, mm-hmm. is when they talk to her. You know, and they're horrible. These horrible bishops—they're just—they're mm-hmm. shit human beings, trying to entrap this little girl. Yeah, she was small, and she was only 18 or 19 um, when they were, she was on trial.
0: And so you're working from the best known facts. See, I've read, have you read Mark Twain's novel? You know, that you yes. thought was yeah, I mean it's wild, right? And so I just don't know like how I tell the story to myself yet, you know, with the blend Well, of the I, history. Know. I have yeah. I have I have I do action. that for La Salette. I do it for Lords and Fatima, you know, I read into the things now. I have to come to yeah. a, a, my own dancing with the mystery. Yeah.
1: know, and, and I in my in my past, you know, where I, I had I was seriously, but not hundred percent. Uh, devoted to the idea of Christian nonviolence, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I
1: get it, but then I had to finally conclude: no, somebody came in and was going to hurt my w- women and my wife and my children. They would. Uh-huh. Either I would go out <coughs> or go out in the body bag. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. as far as I go. But mm-hmm. I was thinking, so. Think about Joan of Arc, right? And part, one of the things that I've been really meditating on the last couple of days is what happens to her when they're when she's on her trial. You get the impression, you know, that she had this mission. From Saint Michael, right, mm-hmm. and Saint Margaret and Saint Catherine, that she had to go do this thing, but she didn't want to do that thing. they said, "Well, right. would you rather, I'd rather be home with my mother, right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, spinning wool and taking it's a crazy food. story. You know, it that is, it is a crazy yeah. story. Yeah. And and I think, <clears throat> you know, we and this is what I don't see in in the Christian thinkers of, of who are my contemporaries." That idea. Well, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this and now. Some. So when I was deep in twenty years ago or twenty five years ago, say more. The-
0: like you don't think they're sent. You know, dialing in on the idea enough, or do they? Uh, they look no at it only. To, yeah.
1: People are not willing to take action. Put it that. Is way. that and part of
0: this history of, of the muse? Is it part of the incarnation of the muse? You know, from huh? from Homer through Joan of Arc to like modern genius. Like I well, had to write the book. The book, some, wrote, well, me. Put it the book wrote
1: me. this way. I don't see a, a sense of duty to preserve anything from anybody, and I see that in Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. And so, an interesting thing. So, when I was, and I, this is, I think she's kind of troubled me for a long time. She's like the, she's the French. I was going to say the French Simone Weil, who was also French, but uh, but I think so. Twenty-five years ago, I remember talking to my priest about it, and he was all about all about. Christian nonviolence. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, what about stuff like, like her? I mean, you know, was she crazy? Was God talking to her?" This or is he that said,
0: guy who became your priest of the Eastern Right Church, right? McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, here. yeah, I met him. I met him. Yeah, he had to my So yeah. it's not like you talked to some shallow nonviolence guy. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. I no you were talking to one of those eloquent um, witnesses. Yeah, of well, the anyways, country.
1: When yeah. I was talking to my priest about Joan of Arc. He said, mm-hmm. "You know, whether she's crazy or what," and all I said was. What makes you think God doesn't talk to crazy people? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think He just talks to college professors or what? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I don't. I mean, I still don't have this resolved in my. Head, in nor
0: my head. do I. Nor do I.
1: But I think it's something to work to think about. And I. You and used we, to do a it, class on Joan of Arc. You'd want to watch
0: the Bernard Shaw version, the Graham Greene version. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've I've seen them all, and I, even I, when I was a kid, I loved that uh, Ingrid Bergman film, right? Yeah, right.
0: That was the Graham Greene wrote the screenplay, right? <sighs>
1: Did he? I think so, but I don't know. That's good, but the point the point is, I mean, I don't see in our in our world, you know, good people willing to take not not many good people willing to take action.
0: No, let me tie it again, if you don't mind, to uh, you know, when I don't know how this week I can't think like I had a source of temptation, but this idea of like feudalism. You know, and, and maybe again, Guido trying to rip it out of himself is that um. the role of money, you know, that that, you know, when you talk about t- people not wanting to take a, a risk, I guess I had a personal like, I don't know how you use the word conviction, but very easily. And I think I wasn't naturally born to struggle with money too much, but at a certain level, we're all going to have to deal with the thing, right? It's got a power. Mm-hmm. But um, it was the notion that pretty easily we, to protect our livelihood, you were talking about your kids, right? You would, you, you would kill somebody, but if you thought you were going to miss a couple months rent, you know, and your kids could be in jeopardy, would you lie cheat and steal from somebody else and possibly put your boot on their face just a little bit, you know, you get the job and somebody else doesn't, but there's a little bit of an nefarious... No, I wouldn't want to, but it's, it's so funny that that could, that could come in pretty quickly, right? Cause it's pretty but... connected to the threat to your family.
1: But I think, yeah, I mean, it's an immediate threat, right? The immediate threat. Like it's an immediate I, threat. We've seen this. We you know, most, this not, most,
0: most people are living paycheck to paycheck. It's not. And fear again, they I know, but they've primed us just to buy into all this stuff because we've created a culture where nobody has any security, you know.
1: But you see, you know, i, I I'm, uh, my daughter actually, we gave my daughter for Christmas, uh, the book The Pianist, which is the film, yeah, which, yeah. right, mm-hmm. and. And you see what those people went through, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they didn't and nobody thought it was gonna last very long. Right. A, a couple of months, right? Like like two weeks to flatten the curve. Right? Yeah, right, right, right. Right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and of course, there were people pushing against it. There were resistance movements, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um wow. and, and 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 I think about that. What would happen <laughs> if uh and I don't want to get into it too much, but I, you know, and I and I've been in those places where we're there were there were times we were so poor, yeah, that I would go out. This is when we were, we were just married, yeah, we, were, we had nothing in the bank, no food. Oh yeah, My sometimes I like... sold guitars. I had a we had a couple of guitars. I sold them for for yeah, yeah. Took yeah. a bath. um, or I would go door to door. You know, or I would not really quite door to door, but I would be dry. I drive through a neighborhood with the, the $5 of gas I had left. And yeah. I long as that somebody had a tree that was dying.
0: Uh-huh, and, so you'd offer to cut down the tree. You know,
1: hey, I'm just helping the neighborhood. Um, I could take that tree down for you for 50. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And people, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure people still do that, but I, that's, that's a basic. Oh yeah. Rate. That's
0: how we get our driveway tarred. That's how we get things done quite frequently. Yeah. Yeah. You know. We always uh, think, you know, regarding my wife and I, or when the kids are home, when that question comes up, because it's, it's one of the human categories of thinking. Like, if World War III was going to happen or the feds turned on us, how would we do? But my little hamlet of Hemlock, everybody in my family would be like, we're, we'd be awesome. Like, we all know each other. Everybody's well, got generators and guns, you know, not that well, I want to praise praising well, guns.
1: The other, yeah, and we had family members, right, when things are really weird in the beginning of the, the- the COVID thing and nobody knew what was gonna happen. But there were you wouldn't believe how many people said, Hey if things shit gets weird, can I come stay at the farm? Yeah, right. Right? Yeah because we have we we have food. That's why we, we <laughs>
0: That's a great phrase when shit gets weird. Yeah. It's um, already weird. Holy cow.
1: But the, but that's I mean, and the other thing, so there that's part of my my background and personality. Yeah. 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 Um and but the other part is I I've grown up, you know, the last thirty years I've been in Educational circles, intellectual circles, where this is this is a, a group of this is a demographic that doesn't do a goddamn thing. <laughs> uh-huh, right, right, right. You know the talk. It's good. I mean, talk is nice, but you really don't see much entering into the will. Yeah, right? you know what I think that is and is again, a lot of not just complacency but capitulation yeah. to the powers in that demographic.
0: You do, but like the the avenues when I talked about like this bottleneck with people going into second um you know innocence, where sensations, world sensations come back, see your capabilities. but the um, it's in that bottleneck, it's so hard to see avenues of what to do too. No. You know, you're right, Michael, you're right. But there's, you know, nobody knows. So you you have to, like I said, how quickly we get corrupted by money, how quickly get corrupted. Like if you have a PhD to think like, if I just keep on putting out this like heavily footnoted, you know, micro thing, you know, that the world's going to get better because there's this thing called inevitable progress. It's not my thing, but I get it. I get it. And they really do believe they're doing good. Or the people driving these brand new Teslas and everything, you know, they you know, these batteries are going to fill up landfills, but they, you know, they're doing their parts for the environment.
1: That's right. Yeah. You know, there's, there, there are slaves in, in, <laughs> in Nigeria, <laughs> Congo. Yeah, yeah,
0: right. yeah. No, this is a thing. I just, you know, what is it? I think we got to. I can only speak for myself. We got to get very real of just inventories every day to check those tendencies in us to just look and the it, other way.
1: Yeah. And that's even when I wrote uh, what's the name of that book? <laughs> Transfiguration. Yeah. When I when I when I when I, when I met Guido's work, yeah, you know, because we know we know it's not going to last the the, the yeah. economic structure we're right? in, and so do the Archons, which is why they're pressing for. But this it's next.
0: I think the chronology is we met after Submerged Reality at the conference, the journal and Transfiguration come out partly from the meeting at your farm, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you had been put in touch, yeah, you were at that point you were reading Guido and everything, yeah, and we started and, talking and back about. Back about
1: we were it's so hot and we're drinking wine in my uh-huh. backyard and you started talking about guido preparado I'm like wait 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 i'm the only person who knows <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> it was funny yeah. and then elias Krim was there i wonder how he's doing we got to be in touch with
1: him I haven't, I haven't heard from him in a while
0: yeah if elias is listening we could have him on talk about cities and things you know
1: smart guy <laughs> i think a lot of those people got mad at me when i wouldn't get the shot seriously <laughs> Yeah, I lost yeah. a lot of Catholic friends that way. Every once in a while, I
0: remember that that was a radical thing, right? You know, I think I was talking with somebody just, uh, they were talking about the shots. they like, go oh, gosh, I never got that. And it wasn't an uproar, but like a few years ago, you know, just to say that, you know, they're like, you know, you're seen. as. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got canceled
1: yeah. by all kinds of people because of that. So and, you know, much, I, so much. Guess what? I was right. Yeah. I was right.
0: They say the NFL players might be waking up to that. You know, so they say, like, what were you doing? We couldn't do this unless we got this thing and our teammates are dying and everything. That'd be fun because that would get in the media. That's right. Well, Michael Martin, uh, this is fun. It was like having coffee with a friend yeah. I haven't seen in a month. Uh, family's doing well, I'm sure. And listeners, again, we've got um, we got a slate of excellent guests coming forth. And uh, I want to do, um, you know, this is another, you know, I keep on getting- You got uh, some more swag, huh? Yeah, you know, I want to get our logo, but like the level of cricket, you know, my wife and daughter-in-law have nothing to do with regeneration. They're just playing with things. So they generate swag in general. But yeah, let's start. Uh, we can get some swag to our fans. We can agree on some things. Awesome. My mm-hmm. coffee cup, you know, I had that silver one, yeah. same logo my uh, a neighbor made. But um, and then uh, again, great guests. I want to do a live one too, where people can ask questions in the chat. Sure. Mm-hmm. Things like that, or, or we can invite them in. Yeah. You know, there could be Awesome. All right, well, love to the family. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Regeneration Podcast. good night